everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there. Hope you're having a great holiday weekend, whether it be up in Canada celebrating Canada Day yesterday or here in the lower 50, 48, uh, the United States celebrating our Independence Day on Monday. So it's a nice long weekend. Good for going out and having a good time. How are you doing, Darren? Doing great, Dave. Hey. We're here having another great day talking about the Minnesota Vikings. And what's better? Today we have three topics as usual. Our first theme of the day is will KJ Osborne take an additional leap? He obviously, from his rookie season, took a massive leap last year. But will he go even better from year two to year three, which seems to be key for a lot of wide receivers, and especially in this new offense. We'll talk about that. Our second theme is who will return punts for the Vikings? The Vikings haven't had a good punt returner since Marcus Sherrill's, the human cockroach. <laughs> and believe it or not, looking back in the history of Vikings football, like we have over the last couple weeks, Probably the best punt returner, game for game, over time, not just onesie-twosies, is Marcus Sherrill's, which sort of surprised me, but it is. We'd like to get find somebody like that that we can get the good production out of, that's sound, not going to drop the ball, that's going to get you know over nine yards of carry on a regular basis, not make stupid decisions when the ball is coming towards him. And then in the third theme, we're starting something new called... Uh, snap decisions. It is a quick way of hitting certain topics that we are all concerned about. But first... Climb in the pocket, Avery Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Hey everyone, it is Canada Day up in Canada yesterday and it is Independence Day down here in the United States on Monday. So we're celebrating this weekend and what a better way to do it than with your Minnesota Vikings. But first, Darren, how are things in the great white north? Couldn't be better, Dave. Weather's awesome. Yesterday was Canada Day here, so celebrations going on. And uh, happy Canada Day to any Canadian viewers we got. And uh, happy Independence Day to everybody for on Monday in the U.S. of A. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you have dual citizenship, you probably maybe you took both. both days off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Twice the drinking. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, no, I can't beat that with a stick. Go out fishing, yeah. golfing, having a good time, camping, uh, consuming copious amounts of your favorite beverage, you know, fireworks. Ah, it's going to be a grand old time. That's No awesome. fireworks in Yellowknife, though, David, because it uh, basically doesn't get dark here this time of the year. So <laughs> fireworks, uh, don't work. fireworks don't work so well when it doesn't get dark. Well, hopefully you make up but, for it on like New Year's Eve or something when that's it's true. plenty dark. Plenty dark then, yeah, no problem, no issues there. But, all right, let's start this show off. Let's get it rolling. Going to our number 
uh, screen and we're going to theme number one. Got to hit the theme button. Boom. Yep. Your first theme on this wanted to talk about Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, That's KJ that Osborne. For those that don't know, who is our wide receiver number three? And can he get better? An important question, Dave, because last year, uh, KJ Osborne was like a revelation, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like a zero. Hey, Nick, thanks for stopping in. Uh, he was a, an absolute zero as a rookie. Uh, well, pretty much he had zero offensive snaps. So it went from zero offensive snaps in 2020 to where he was in 2021, which became our number three wide receiver. And you can remember, remember in training camp and exhibition season where we got one of those classic training camp stories where everybody was – not everybody, but we had stories about K.J. Osborne has really improved this year. You know, uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it. And I was like, well, I'll see it when I believe it. Exhibition season, he didn't really stand out. But then the regular season, he did become our number three guy. Caught 50 passes, 655 yards, seven TDs. Wow. And, uh, and uh, you know, he, he was a credible wide-receiving threat. And uh, But the thing is, and that was awesome, unexpected to me. I really didn't expect him to, you know, Do break out like that. that. But the yeah. big thing about that is he earned Kirk Cousins' trust. And we, as we both know, that is important. Very important because if the yeah the quarterback doesn't trust you, they're probably not going to throw to you very much. And uh, so, you know, KG Osborne was a revelation, really nice surprise, one of the real pleasant stories of of a disappointing 2021 season for the Vikings. But now that he's done that in the second year, there's now an expectation that he's either going to equal or keep up with that level of play, or and or improve on it. The question is. Can KJ Osborne do that? And uh, you know, uh, the uh, he's he's working under, of course, Kevin O'Connell, offensive-minded coach now from the Sean McVay coaching tree. So you really do think that skull purple haze. Uh, you, you'd have to think that uh, the opportunities are going to be there for KJ Osborne. He's going to be. They're going to the the. Kevin O'Connell's probably going to run more three wide receiver and four wide receiver sets than the Vikings did under Mike Zimmer with the Kubiak and the spawn of Kubiak. So, <laughs> so he is, he's going to be on the field more. They're probably going to throw the ball a little bit more than they did, maybe substantially more than they did in previous years under Mike Zimmer. So you know, more balls in the air means potentially more opportunities for KJ Osborne to take advantage of them. So there's that. Uh, the other thing that's, if you look at his grades last year, his pro football focus, focus grades last year, David, I don't know if you're going to bring him up or not, yep, but uh, I am. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you, uh, you know, there you go. You got the the overall grade, sixty four point nine, which is solid, but it's not spectacular. Um, and you know, run grade, receiving grade, there it was pretty consistent. Game to game, particularly on the wide receiver grades, he was had some. Uh, you know, he had some ones that were in the high 70s, some in the high 60s, low 60s, uh, and then some in the 50s. It was kind of all across the board. There was one bad game where he was even under 50. He was at 49. So all over the board. But overall, K.J. Osborne did his job. 
He was a credible third wide receiver. He had to be accounted for. Defenses had to pay attention to him and not just Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen when Thielen was out there. So that's all good. Um, but what I like again, about this this graph, and that's PFF's graph, is mm-hmm. that you can see as we get further into the season. Towards the end of the seasons, yeah, he starts out strong, sort of, and then he dips, and then he finishes relatively strong. So he's getting more and more better. Here's some good grammar. Uh, yeah, he's getting we know better. what you mean. He's getting better at what he's doing, and we saw it with Kirk Cousins trusted him. And the, thing, and the more and more involved he got, the more and more balls he got, and the better he was doing. I think it fed off, I think his play style fed off his success, right? And and everybody loves that. You do something good, and people see that you do something good, and then you come out and do even better next time, and even better. And you're looking at yourself and going, wow, hey, I could be pretty decent at this. And you get better and better and better. That last one against Green Bay, when he scored 70.9. If we take 70 as a mean for 2022, that's an overall improvement. But I suspect it will be even better, hmm. and we'll get into why just shortly. The uh, And one thing to mention about those grades at the last few games, David, is to keep in mind is that Adam Thielen was not in the lineup in those games, which means that uh, Osborne was the number two guy, basically, and uh, his production did not suffer. Like with defenses, no longer they had – they had to worry about Justin Jefferson, Tyler Conklin, of course, but it's not always corners and that are, <laughs> are covering the tight ends, usually linebackers and that sort of thing. But but a Justin Jefferson on one side and KJ Osborne on the other, and and so defenses had less to worry about with Thielen not in there, and he still had strong grades. And I think that is, like you said, encouraging. Shows that his play was not, uh, you know, he wasn't just beaten up on bad corners as the number three guy all the time. Um, but uh, you, can he get again? Can he get better? I think a few things that are encouraging about that is along with the grades you see and his performance later in the year, um, you know, just you look at his age, he just turned 25. He's in his mm-hmm. athletic prime right now. So, you know, that they, his, his, his athletic powers are at their greatest that they're going to be between now and, you know, <laughs> age 25, 26, 27, 28. That's good. Um, we know, again, he went from, zero to hero last year as far as production goes and to do that you have to work your ass off and i believe that you know kj osborne obviously did that last off season he's as a fifth round guy not very highly regarded uh, he understands you know where he is in the pecking order in the league and he i think he realizes that he has to outwork guys and i have every uh, belief that this offseason he's working even upped, amped it up even more his training uh, um, regimen so that he can even improve on that. So you take athletic prime, hard worker, and this will be the second year he's working with Keenan McCardell, the wide receiver coach that the Vikings wisely brought back. And I'm really, I feel that if McCardell got that much out of him his first year, then, you know, let's see what happens the second year. I think it's there's a chemistry there with those two. Uh, he, Keenan McCardell has been able to get the mo- a lot out of KJ Osman, and I think he will continue to do so. So all those things, uh, and added on, as you add that up, along with an offense, an offensive-minded coach that uh, is going to pass the ball more and run more three-wide receiver and four-wide receiver sets, 
I think that's good. And the, the, the other part of it is that uh, the Vikings must feel front office and O'Connell must feel pretty good about KJ Osborne as well, because you remember pre-draft, we talked about it a lot. Hey, you know, the Vikings, are they going to draft a wide receiver at number 12? You know, we go three deep. They had an opportunity to get Jamison Williams at Ooh, 12, that Jamison Williams at 12, but they traded out, went to 32 and, uh, and they got Lewis seen, let the Lions get Jamison Williams, who probably isn't going to play for a while, <laughs> and and, uh, and they got a safety. So uh, they didn't even draft a wide receiver until they selected Jalen Naylor in the sixth round. So the Vikings seem to feel pretty good about KJ Osborne to not draft a wide receiver in a wide receiver draft that was pretty stacked last April. So I think that you know everything is looking pretty good for KJ Osborne. I feel pretty confident that yes, he can get. Um, better that he he will improve on his play next year and this is important because Adam Thielen will turn 32 in August how much longer is he going to be a Viking how much longer can he be your number two wide receiver in the NFL you need somebody to replace him because of age and because of the salary that he's making and I think KJ Osborne this year gets to show if he can be the number two guy opposite JJ JJ for the next few years and I think that that uh, I feel good about KJ Osborne's ability to do that. One thing I didn't mention uh, about it is uh, I also liked KJ's toughness last year and his he's got good hands and he's tough. He'll run all the routes and he catches just about everything you throw at him. So those are also two things that you really like to see in a wide receiver mm-hmm. that they that that they're tough and that they can if you throw the ball to them they're going to come down with it. KJ Osborne seems to get those things. I like him. I think most Viking fans do, and I think he has more to more to give us and more to show us. I agree with you, and I selected this picture because I think he's going to take that second leap to becoming the consummate pro that I believe he can be. One thing we forgot about last year, it was about this time of year-ish, right? We were in the offseason, and we heard stories of K.J. Osborne training down in Florida with, I believe, it was Adam Thielen and Diggsy, right? Mm-hmm. And they were doing some of their stuff, and there was a wide receiver from one of the other teams that was there, too. But the fact that he hooked up with both those individuals and was learning, I think, helped him a lot. So I'm hoping to see in the next week or two that we hear, hey, K.J. Osborne is down in Florida again working with Adam Thielen, Diggsy, and Justin Jefferson. Right, and they are all working together, whatever it is, to improve. Right, to improve their skills. They do that. Yes. He takes the next step. I think he solidifies himself as, especially this season, as the number three, but also possibly moving into Thielen's spot as Thielen ages some more. All right, everybody loves Adam Thielen in the story. Hey, he went to Mankato State. Did you know that? He's from Minnesota. He's one of us. You know, all that stuff. Everybody loves Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen's a very good wide receiver. But eventually, he's going to hit that cliff. And it's a matter of when. It's just all positions generally do. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't like Nick's talking about uh, Thielen being the number two unless uh, proven otherwise. And, and I agree. I'm not saying 100%. KJ Osborne is going to be the number two guy 
this year. I think it's going to the the pecking order is going to be the same. But again, 2023 and certainly 2024, you need to have somebody to move into Thielen's spot. And uh, it, I feel that KJ Osborne is, you know, he's as good Mm -hmm. an good an option right now as anybody that we have on the roster. We'll have to the Vikings at by 2024 or maybe 2023, they'll have to make a decision with KJ Osborne contract wise, what kind of commitment they want to make to him. Uh, that's why this year is a big year for him too, because if he, if he drops down and he has a lesser year, then everybody would be like, Oh, he was a one year wonder. You know, he couldn't keep it up. So uh, he's got to keep, there's, there's some pressure on him, but I feel very good about based on what I saw last year when KJ Osborne was clearly the number three or even number four, option to throw the ball to for Kirk Cousins for him to get the production he did last year uh, I think shows that a he got open and b like you said he gained the trust of Kirk Cousins as the year went on and that that photo you got up there that's from the season opener against the Bengals and Mm -hmm. and that was the first game KJ Osborne was their leading wide receiver I believe in that game and uh and you know he showed in that game and then the next game against Arizona that yes you know the, all this talk you were hearing about me is actually true. I am a good player. I did improve a lot. I am going to be a factor in this offense. And he was. Mm-hmm. And he was. And he shows grit. And he shows attitude, which is something I want in a wide receiver. You know, somebody that can thrive that, hey, I'm going to be the best. Right? And I may be, I may be a little bit excited about it. I may show it attitude-wise. And I may talk smack. But I'm going to deliver, and I'm going to try to hit, and I'm going to try to do things. And K.J. Osborne, last year, has filled that bill. Now the question is, does he take the next step to leap up to the consummate professional? And I'm betting he does. With the combinations like you said, we've got Justin Jefferson, the best wide receiver in football, Adam Thielen, one of us, and Keaton McCardell teaching it. I can't wait to see him. This is one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing this season. For sure. And uh, you got to feel about like with Osborne, what kind of like the, what would be the the kind of doubts or that would go through his mind after a rookie year where he would didn't do anything. And as a punt returner, he was a big flop. And Mm -hmm. for him, so he, he had to, it's not like he was coming off a rookie season where he had anything encouraging to really build on, right? He was, I'm sure he might've wondered, am I going to be on this team next year? I know myself, I thought he was a waste of a roster spot, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, and then for him to, so uh, full credit to him for doing what he had to do and having the confidence and the belief in himself to go from where he was in his rookie season to where he was last year. And again, that's another uh, one reason where you got to believe that he's not going to rest on his laurels. He's going to keep on grinding, keep on working and keep on improving. Absolutely. That brings us to theme number two. You had mentioned it about punt returning. Indeed. And we get into punt returners right now. Drew, what am I drinking? I am drinking tequila. Anejo, to be exact. A good Texas drink. Oh, absolutely. And New Mexico, growing up in New Mexico, I was quite used to tequila. All right. Who is going to be the punt returner for 2022? And it's up to these gentlemen to figure it out. Yeah, the punt return job is up for grabs. And, uh, when Viking fans look at their team going into 2022 or any new season, I think 
uh, who's going to be returning punts is probably one of the last things they worry about. <laughs> one tequila, two tequila. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, hopefully, uh, Dave. I can handle a little bit more than three. Trust me, Dave. You got to finish the show, okay? Get get yourself under control here. <laughs> Dave will be fine. Nick, he'll be fine. You could probably drink about thirteen tequilas and still uh, work, yeah, the hand, work the control. I don't know about that, but I'm I'm close. Anyway. Yes. Anyway, uh, punt returners, uh, not really top of mind usually, but the Vikings do uh, have an opening here. They haven't resolved who that's going to be. And uh, and the punt return position, it, it won't be a problem for Viking fans until it becomes a problem, right? Because uh, right, we, we won't so care about it. Field position, yeah. whether it be from the punter on that side or the punt returner on the other, is such a big part of football. You've got to find the the guy that gives you one security doesn't do like KJ Osborne did and drop balls, right? And two makes the correct decisions and gets you positive yardage. Yes, we'd all love, you know, a punt return for touchdown. Absolutely. Would love to see it. But I want to see if you're averaging over nine yards per punt return, you're a very, very good punt return. And I would like to see that again. And uh, the you know that the the Vikings, like you said, they it'll uh, won't be uh, nobody will care about who's returning punts really until we have a game and the punt returner we do have in there fumbles about fumbles a kick and it costs us a game. Then everybody yeah. will be screaming at mm-hmm. Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell and saying you should have addressed this. You should have got somebody in there. You should have got somebody who was competent, etc., etc., etc. So that's when it'll become an issue. But, but so what we learned this week was that um, the uh, Jalen Naylor talked was talked about that he is in the running for the punt return job. Uh, the other candidates are, um, Emir Smith Marset, Albert Wilson, and then uh, KJ Osborne is also in the mix. Mm-hmm. Now, out of those four, we, you know, KJ Osborne was our punt returner in 2020 for some time. He did not do a very good job. And really, I don't want him to get the job this mm-hmm. year either because um, I consider punt returner one of the most dangerous jobs <laughs> in football. And I don't want KJ Osborne, who I think is going to be a very important piece to this offense, getting hurt returning punts as a, as important of a job as that is. So really that leaves the other three guys and um, Albert Wilson, uh, the guy we've uh, signed when, um, when uh, Smith Marset mm-hmm. uh, ended up in a walking boot and in the, um, off-season workouts, but uh, Albert Wilson, he has uh, returned punts, but it was only in 2013 at Georgia State in college. He has never returned a punt in the NFL. Amir Smith-Marset returned kickoffs at at Iowa in college, but he never returned punts, and I I think he returned some punts in preseason last year, but that's about it. And then we know about K.J. Osborne, and Jalen Naylor is interesting because um, I think that he's going to have a very tough time making the team as a wide receiver. Uh, not that we're super, super deep, but if the Vikings carry five wide receivers, I don't see him as being one of those five, uh, or maybe even if they carry six. So his best chance to make the team would be to win the punt return job, and that's his job. And uh, we know he's a, he was a big play guy at Michigan State when he did touch the ball. So I'm interested to see. I, I, he's an intriguing option 
to me. Uh, and he did return punts at Michigan State, but he only returned eight of them during his career. So he doesn't have a whole lot of experience at that either, though he has done it. Overall, we don't have a lot of experience complete, you know, with the, the four the candidates. Whether it be like Nick saying some of the running backs may also step into that. Yeah, but uh, like he was, he did mention um, uh, Kenny Wangu, Wang Chung, but he didn't return punts at Iowa State mm-hmm. either. He was just strictly a running back kickoff returner. And you, you talked about this on the show a few weeks ago about how it's much different catching a punt, the spin and all those sorts of things, the angle than mm-hmm. it is as a kickoff return. It's not the same deal. Well, uh, and it and it, it's real simple. A punter's going to kick the ball. Right, and he's got multiple ways to do it. He can impart a spin like a pass, right? He could hit it end over end so it tumbles, right? Or he can hit it just right and it knuckleballs and it does this and it wobbles in the air. And the punt returner has to sit there, look up, gauge in his head, all right, how long is the hang time going to be roughly? How much time do I have? Is he's watching the ball move? Is are we playing outdoors in Chicago? Is it moving left to right? Which way do I need to go? All this while out of his peripheral vision, looking downfield and watching everybody come towards him. Does he have enough time to catch the ball and then suddenly go, I've got a hole right here or a blocker right here? I'm going right there. Boom, catch, go. Right, all that has to happen within a split second and subconsciously, right? Because yep. we all know NFL special teams, you got guys that are speedsters. The gunners are coming down full 100% full bore. They're running 21, 22 miles an hour, and all they want to do is take your head off. Yep. So <laughs> if that ball is there, they're going to try to time it right when the ball gets there. So you've got a decision to it. If they're early, they tend to blow by because they can't hit you or they'll pull up, right? But you've got to make the decision, oh, shit, they're too close. You know, wave the arm, I'm going to have a fair catch. Or, yes, i got a fraction of a second and everything's setting up. And you've got to remember, you're looking up and you're looking down, you know, out at the same time. And you've got to constantly be looking up to make sure you have the football because the last thing you want to be doing is like a receiver who wants to run before he's caught the pass, right? You're looking up. If you start to look forward to where you're going to run and lose where that football is, it's going through your arms, just like it did with K.J. Osborne in his first season. I'm hoping Naylor is the kid. I'm hoping Hmm. he likes it. He was on a podcast. This is where we got this news. He was on a podcast this week where he said he is competing for this slot. And when he comes out and says, hey, I'm going for it, all power to him. I hope he wins it. I hope he's good because it's been a while since we've had a good punt returner. You know, yes, I have I have no I have no idea how this is going to work out. You, you know, if uh, uh, if the Vikings want to play, play it safe, they, in, in a way they might then you'd consider Osborne to be the favorite because at least he's done it recently at a number of games. But again, I don't, I feel he's too valuable as an offensive player to really put out in harm's way that way. But you've already talked about it a bunch of times, but to me, a good, 
a punt returner needs a few qualities. A, you got to have, you got to be shorthanded. B, you got to have nerves of steel and be one tough son of a gun because you know you're going to get blown up sometimes. C, you've got to be able to, again, you got to make a good decision maker. When do I do, do, when do I fair catch? When do I catch it and run with it? When do I let it go and hope and make, make a good mm-hmm. decision when to, to let it go and see if it bounces into the end zone for a touchback? And uh, so you need all of those things. And really, uh, the last guy we had, we already mentioned him, who, the guy who Marcus did all of those things. Oh, sorry. The other thing I forgot is you've got to be able to make uh, the first guy miss, miss. the first two guys mm-hmm. miss, uh, you know, when you get the opportunity. Marcus Sherrill's had all of those qualities and, mm-hmm. and he's up there and you talked about it. I didn't get into the stats, but he had five uh, punt return touchdowns in his career. Marcus Sherrill's would never have been in the NFL at all if he hadn't been able to return punts because he wasn't going to make it as a, as a small corner in the NFL. Right. But because he was so good a punt returner, he, he, he had a 10-year career in the NFL just as a punt returner, basically. Mm-hmm. And he was a damn good one, as you say, probably the best we ever had in Vikings history, and that's 60-plus years. Uh, so we, we need – the Vikings need to find out of those four guys – they're Marcus Sherrill's, and uh, I don't think it's KJ Osborne. I don't know. I don't think it's Albert Wilson. So yeah, like, like maybe Jalen Naylor is the guy. Uh, I'm really interested to see what he can bring to the table. And you got to feel again that he's got to feel that that that's one of his best ways to stick on the team as the punt returner and to win that job. So I think he's going to be really hungry and to to take that from everybody else. And uh, you know, and Albert Wilson, I don't really feel is a guy who's He's kind of a fringe guy. I don't think know what kind of a future he has at his age. Uh, so I'd be quite happy, uh, you know, if that if they give the job to Naylor because he's young, he's got a chance to improve, and and it gives him production for this season. Yeah, and then he can work on his wide receiving work stuff. on his wide receiving stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, Roger asked, "Is kick return really that different than punt returns?" Yes. Um. Because a kick return, you've got. A further distance out, the ball's coming in at a lower trajectory. It's not doing the spiral thing. It's not doing the knuckleball thing. It's usually just end over end, right? You have space. It's going to get to the receiver before the gunners get down there. Whereas putt returns, the gunners are right on top of you when the ball gets there, right? Unless it's a bad kick, you know, low trajectory style kick. That's going to happen. So on a Kick return, like Nwangu's so good at, he's got time to look, see the ball coming. It's on a steady trajectory. It's not going to move that much. He can sit there and look where things are setting up, make his decisions a little bit easier, catch the ball, and then still has a few steps before he has to decide, I need to now break behind this blocker or cut across the grain this way as my best chance. Punt returners, it happens just too fast. It's just boom, boom, boom. It's all got to be some subconscious, and that only comes through some repetitions and a whole bunch of big brass balls to do it. <laughs> yeah. um, because, like you said, a punt returner can get blown up and will get blown up during the season at least you know a few times. And you don't want that because who wants to be it hit hurts. by somebody running – 21, 22 miles an hour trying to take your head off. You know, even with pads, you feel it. And you're on Sports Center for the next month yes. or longer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And as Drew says, Cheryl's was great at it. So that brings us to the favorite portion of the show, one of them, where we talk about beer. A great topic. A great, to- always a great topic. Gotta, yep. gotta love it. It is the holiday weekend for both of us. If you are in the Minnesota area, right, in the Vikings viewing area, that includes North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, stuff like that, you can find yourself with some Lake Monster beer from Lake Monster Brewing to help heighten the enjoyment of this long holiday weekend. What's better than beer? And speaking of what's better than beer, this is what they have on tap this week. You've got uh, your lemon meringue ale, some of the sour fruit <laughs> stuff, the blood orange is the same as for Lemon meringue ale. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what it tastes like. It sounds intriguing, but we shall see. Yes, I agree, I sh- Nick. They need to send it to Arizona. They need to send more I down to Texas, and they send, need to send some up to Yellowknife. The rare species it. is always Ted a good. Ted Glover joke coming on here. Yeah, it's always a great IPA, whether Ted Glover has no taste or not when it comes to IPA. In the cans, however, they have their award-winning Como Claw Pilsner, Empty Rowboat IPA, which is a solid, solid IPA, Depth Charge IPA, another good one. And down there, and if a stout, if you're in the mood for a stout, the Murmur Milk Stout. But I have one highlighted. It's called Tough Mudder Unfiltered Lager, right? It is, you know, that something you're going to drink ice cold that quenches the thirst. Why is it called Tough Mudder? Because they are partnered with the Tough Mudder organization who is having a Twin Cities Tough Mudder. And for those of you who do not know what Tough Mudder is, think of a military obstacle course. Only now add some moving parts like conveyor belts and other things on a wet, muddy course open to civilians that are in shape because you've got to be in shape. I think the longer or the shortest route, maybe a 1.5K, that may be for the kids, but there may be five, there's 5, 10, and 15 for the adults. And literally, not only are you running, you're doing high bars, you're doing low cross the mud, you're going to get dirty, right? And you're going to get muddy. And it is a blast if you've ever done it. And I highly recommend it. Well, the finished beer for this year's Tough Mudder Twin Cities is Tough Mudder Unfiltered Lager. So if you want some free beer, go join Tough Mudder on the 9th and 10th. Complete the course and you get free beer. Are you up for it? I don't know. It'd be a long way to go. Now, me, uh, 20 years ago, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Um, Right now, uh, all right, I'll skip it. I'll just buy the beer. But that's right. It should be fun. And I always love it when, you know, Lake Monster Brewing is part of the community. And they do it by doing stuff like this. So it should be good. And the weather should be good always. Nick says he always pours his beer into a mug. Um, into a mug, whether in a bottle or a can. Um, 
I agree. I prefer it in glass too, but you get it either way. They're obviously coming out of a keg, which I have no problem with for the race. Now that brings us to our third and final theme. We're doing snap decisions. You came up with this. It's going to be a little bit different, didn't you? Hopefully, yeah. No, I just uh, kind of uh, picking a few topics that uh, uh, haven't gone away and uh, looking at what the Vi- uh, based on what the Vikings have done or not not done so far. Uh, we're both you and I are going to chime in and give our opinions on whether we we are sort of give a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the on the question that's being posed. Uh, okay. So I'll yeah. start off with the first one. Will the Vikings offense? Offensive line improve in 2020 compared, or in 2022 compared to 2021. Yes, that old chestnut, the offensive line, David. It seems like we never stop talking about it, debating it. Nor but, will uh, we until it's good. Yeah, that's right, yes. I, yes, I think it will be improved this year. There are a few reasons for that. One is Christian Derrissaw. The fact that he'll be playing the full, full year, assuming he's healthy, in his second year at left tackle, thought he was, did a solid job as a rookie, but he didn't play the whole year. So, A, having him a whole year at left tackle has got to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, way better than the other options. Way better mm-hmm. than Rashad Hill or the options that we'd have there this year. So, Holy Christian, mm-hmm. Christian, Christian Derrissaw is one reason. The other reason is that either by Jesse Davis or Chris Reed are going to be um, at least sl- better – than Ali Udo at right guard. I think that's a slam dunk. How much better, we don't know, but anything is better than what Ali Udo did last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think well, Ezra Cleveland... said, Dozier. Yes, yeah, well, yeah. Let's not bring him up ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's out and for then, the season, right? You know, he really? went to Chicago. He's going to start. Yeah. He, uh, I think, tore an ACL. He's done for the season. I read that well, a couple that's weeks ago. Unfortunate, uh, as uh, I actually was hoping that he'd get a starting job at Chicago, and their offensive line would be even worse than than, you, than normal. Yeah, before uh, the you know, the other reason I think it'll be improved is because as a Cleveland, uh, I think that he's you'll see him stepping it up a little bit this year and uh, doing uh, and improving in his third year at left guard, third year, and and he's around everybody. The, the other that everybody other than Davis slash Chris Reed is going to be the same across the board. So I feel like that uh, Cleveland in his third year uh, and, you know, a third year at left guard, he's going to get it down. Well, you, second year at left before, guard, but third year playing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Third year playing. But, uh, you know, you've talked about it takes a little while for the offensive lineman out of college to get it. Usually third or fourth year is when they start getting it. So this is a third of, third year for Cleveland. Uh, Bradbury, like Viking Jerome was talking about, uh, I, you know, I'm taking a wait and see with him. I don't think we're going to see any difference from him that we've seen the other three, four years. So uh, we'll just have to take it what we got with him. But I do think that the Vikings have uh, what they have here is it's it, you're going to see at least they'll be league average uh, and not, they shouldn't be bottom of the league like they have been the past couple of years. Which, I, is, yeah. which is interesting. I looked at the, um, we look at the football outsiders DVOA, right? And their O-line yep. rankings. And I had a slide for it. I'm built right along with PFF grades and the PFF grades are bad. Yeah. But what is interesting 
they've adjusted the DVOA for last season already. Mm-hmm. Because they were ranked, they had them third in pass blocking. I'm like, third? Are you crazy? Well, they've dropped them to fourth. I'm still fourth? Are you crazy? They weren't that good at pass blocking. Of course, PFF killed them as a unit in pass blocking. Mm-hmm. And then running, power their power rank on run had them at... I'm trying to remember if it was... Um, here we go. It was higher than nine. They've adjusted it to nine. But their overall DVA, right? So you look at that. Hey, we're good at run blocking. Hey, we're good at pass blocking. Their overall was still 24th. Oh, and it's that. questionable well, because of a bunch of other things they have. We were 32nd stuff. Run stuffing rank oh, okay. yeah, yeah. was one of them. Um, second level, they were second because, yeah, we have fast guys. But it wasn't – it's – when you look at certain analytic stats, you've got to be careful at what you're seeing and what they're grading because, yeah, sure, hey, they they were good at pass blocking. And we're like, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? But it may be what they were seeing. So, but overall, they had them at 24th. That, that to me, is generous Yeah, where they were last year. Question. But at least it's in the ballpark of where, where I would consider, like, they, right. the, you know, the kind of offensive line, their, their performance level anyway. Yeah. It's in that ballpark, right? Yeah. The lower portion of it. This year, do we improve? Our biggest question is at right guard. Yeah. Who's going to start at right guard? Here I put up. Um, you got Jesse Davis, you have Ed Ingram. I, I hope that rookie comes in and just kicks ass. I do, I do, I do. And you have Wyatt Davis, of course, who seems to have fallen off the earth. We'll find out. Nothing's determined in so far in the, you know, the mini camps because we don't know. Yeah, they've got them lined up, and this is my first string, second string, who's playing here. But none of them have put on pads. None of them are hitting. Hopefully, you know, hopefully in the minicaps, they're showing they're getting it mentally, knowing that if this play is called my blocking responsibility is outside, shoulder, hat, whatever, move down, whatever the rules are for that play, and that they're doing that properly. But when we get to training camp here in less than a month, and they put on pads, that's when we're going to see the movement, and hopefully there's a massive battle and somebody really, really, really good wins that right guard spot. Yeah, and I have, and uh, I, uh, it's good that you put up the visual of, of Ed Ingram in there because really, I haven't really been considering him too much because, hey, he's a rookie and uh, I just I don't know what to expect. But, but uh, you're right. He is a, he's a guy, he's a candidate at right guard. If he has a really strong training camp, you know, the, the Vikings have no commitments to Jesse Davis other than this year. So, uh, and they aren't paying Jesse Davis a whole lot. So if Ed Ingram, like you say, kicks ass, I would hope that the Vikings coaches staff looks at that and says, hey, man, you know, I know he's a rookie, but this guy's got to start. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. And he's and, got a bigger future. He's got more yeah. upside. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and, and maybe he, he gives you the real big jump at right guard. Whereas um, if I'm looking at Jesse Davis and Chris Reed as being the, the candidates, I think that you know, the, improve, the, the improvement compared to all right. the Udo would be lesser, 
but still improvement. Right. But like maybe Ed Ingram could take that up, like like Spinal Tap up to eleven, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and very well yeah. could, and become like some of the greater Viking guards that we had over history, like we've talked about. Yeah. Hey, I'd love for one of them to reach, you know, Hutchinson style or Ed McDaniel style, but even David Dixon style, even David Dixon. Yeah, absolutely. His number popped up on our feed, right through. And uh, we're 71 days from all 71, 71. That brings us to the next question. Will the Vikings defense be a top 15 defense in 2020? Two. I'm going to say yes, David, because uh, one of the reasons is the guys you've got up there. I think that if you've got Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith, if they're healthy, that's a pretty strong that's pass rushing. If. That's a pretty strong pass rushing duo right there. I think that they're going to really help a lot. I think that you know the signing of Jordan Hicks, who we talked about last week, and Harrison Phillips are going to help. Um, you've got, I think, getting. Uh, drafting Lewis Seen looks like he's going to be a guy that's going to be a starter opposite Harrison Smith. I think he's a young buck. He's going to help. And along with those guys and some of those new additions like Smith, like Hicks, like Phillips, uh, again, the, the other guys that we have, Kendricks um, and Harrison Smith, there's enough talent on the Vikings along with the additions that we've made that, uh, and then you look at us going to a new 3-4 defense, base defense, and the confusion and unfamiliarity our opponents are going to have with that style of defense for a little while. I think right, all of those reasons. Right, because they're used to Zimmer's way of Zimmer's one. I think that, that there's too much talent. Uh, yes, there's depth concerns with the, with the Vikings for sure, but I feel that there's the, the talent is there, that there's no way that this defense should be ranked 31st or 32nd like it was in 2020 and 2021. In 2022, with the talent that we have, again, if key guys, most of those key guys stay healthy. This defense should at least be around the 15, 16, 14, 15, 16 range, I think. And that would be a huge improvement compared to the past two years and is going to result in, uh, you know, it's got to result into at least a couple of extra wins for the Vikings compared to what we've seen the previous couple of years. Well, if they're there and the offense goes to around top five, you've got a, not just a playoff contender, but one that can win the NFC championship. Contender, mm-hmm. Right. How and do you feel about the defense, Dave? I, it's got a ton of talent. Across the board, the when you started out with Smith and Hunter, if those guys can stay healthy, that's two hundred pressures, mm-hmm. right? Just between those two, that doesn't include the interior linemen, doesn't include the linebackers, it doesn't include any corner or safety blitzes. That's two hundred pressures themselves. That's amazing. That's going to frustrate opponents. That's going to generate wins in itself. If they stay healthy, knock on wood, they both do. Because I want to see something like that. That's that would be spectacular. That'd be you know get the popcorn, you know for yeah. the weekends because that would be just so much fun to watch. I hope they do. I think we improved in the linebacker spot. I think Hicks and 
Kendricks side by side in what we have in the new 3-4 and what Donatello's planning on doing is going to work well. Because you got these guys on the outside, those guys on the inside, um, and the big guys in the middle plugging things up. I think they can help against the run, and they're both competent, competent enough against pass. So I think that's good. I think the safety combo of all three, uh, Harrison Smith, I think sign starts, uh, cross from him, and Bynum's going to be your third guy. I think Bynum's going to play more nickel, quote, Dime packages and nickel than anybody else in any of the corners, but we'll find out. Um, I think that's going to be a good matchup. The The weakest spot, I think, is our corners. We got the aging Patrick Peterson. Hopefully he finds some vitamins and something to help him play. You're, you were going to say Viagra, weren't you? I was. Um, yeah. Something like that to, you know, bring back the youth. Red wine, you know, like back in the day, or, but my favorite person who I think is going to surprise people and step, step up even further is Cameron Tansler. I really like this kid. Um, put on weight, he's getting better. The, the defense isn't such corner-centric. It's more safety-centric as to what, who's running it and, Decisions being made, and I think he is going to have a great season. And if not, we've got Andrew Booth to come up and learn behind him, which I think is good. I think this defense very much has the opportunity to be approaching that top 10 status. Everybody stays healthy. Everybody gets it and plays well together. I think I think that possibility is there. And you combine that with a, an improved offense that's hitting the, you know, Close to top five, Mark. I think we're going to be happy come January. Yes, the, the, those kind of uh, rankings would uh, seem to indicate that the Vikings would be in line for a pretty good year, which mm-hmm. kind of leads into the next topic, I guess. Yeah. Yes, the final question. How confident are you the Vikings will make the playoffs and stop being that sub-500 team they've been in the last two seasons? I am uh, reasonably confident, uh, Dave, uh, for some of the reasons we've already talked about. Uh, but I think you, you, one one thing again, which is that um, the, the Vikings have, have the, the new coaching staff, the new GM, Kwesi Dofamensa, they've, uh, they've started to clear out the gloom and doom uh, that pervaded this franchise the, in the later Mike Zimmer years, you know, they're changing the culture. Uh, I think that's a positive. I feel good about that. I think the players feel good about that. doesn't mean anything on the field right now. We'll have to see how that translates, but I, I think the, I think that the players were done with Mike Zimmer and the Mike Zimmer way of doing things the last couple of years. And it showed with the way the, the way the Vikings played and the lack of enthusiasm they showed at times on the field. So I think that, you know, that, that, that makes me feel good. Again, I, th- I think that there, again, there's, there are there's a lot of concerns across the board on at Viking positional units about depth. I think that is an issue, and health is going to be one of those things we're going to have to really cross our fingers on and monitor. But there's again, there's just too much talent but, on this team. It's top heavy, I think, but 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 there's too much talent on this team for them to be for us to accept for them to be the kind of sub 500 team that they have they been. They have been. The last, 
the and, last couple. And of when years. we're speaking of health, Kevin O'Connell brought in the head sports science guy from the Rams, right? And they were a healthy yep. team last year to implement that into the Vikings, you know, culture and way of life. So if players can stay healthy and they've got the backing of the new health science guru to do that, I think, yes, there's optimism there. The So the talent-wise, I look at the schedule, it looks fairly favorable especially the first six you know five six games i think there's a you know there's certainly a you've got a way you've got some wins there you can stack some wins there and get the vikings on a good early start to the season which we have not had the previous two years and we didn't even have really in 2019 uh we only got rolling kind of mid-season late season that year mm-hmm. uh to get to the 10 and 6 record so i think that those factors that the vikings should at least be a 10 and 17 next year and make the playoffs. Uh, The only thing that concerns me is that you've got a lot of, we know we got a lot of holdovers here. We got the competitive rebuild going, right? So uh, you got a lot of holdovers and those holdovers were part of what I feel was kind of the last couple of years with the the Vikings was a, we were starting to get become a losing culture there. We, the Vikings underperformed and I kind of wonder if that seeped in too much to a lot of the veterans that are there and whether, Oh, if, whether if that's going to carry that, over. Yeah. Like if it, do they, they've got to believe that they're not that team anymore. Uh, and uh, so the, like how is six months of Kevin O'Connell and his staff and them being positive and you guys are all great and awesome and everything is awesome. Is, is that going to be enough to wipe away the previous two years where the Vikings just were a team that constantly uh, underperformed and disappointed their fans and probably their owners <laughs> as well with their play on the field. So, well, yeah, I've got Ziggy up here because Ziggy went out purposely in this off season after firing Spielman and Zimmer and looking to improve the culture, right? And I picked one of my favorite Dilbert cartoons yeah. on that, and uh, that's what you see up there. But Ziggy did make an effort, Ziggy and Mark, to go purposely improve the culture. Whether that works or not, we don't know. Um, Worth a shot. I brought up this uh, word cloud, and it's everything you've heard from him, right? <laughs> And if it all works, we're coming up purple roses. I hope it does. Now, there is a point when you learn about leadership and how to run things, you can get to the point where you're coddling too much. And you're going too far on the spectrum in the support of collaborative trust, communication, all this stuff, right? All these touchy-feely good stuff. You're going too far on that realm. And you're not getting the production you want or the results you want. And people are using that sort of as a crutch. Well, you didn't include me in the decision. Why didn't you do that? Well, there is, a, you know, these men playing this game, and they are men. Um, there is, you know, a whole bunch of self-discipline that they've got to put into it. And a whole bunch of drive. And most of them are all class A type people. Type A people. 
that are going to, you know, I want to be the best. So you can't rely on that beta style of, oh, you didn't make me feel good enough, right? But hopefully right now it's doing its job. And, it, and it's all great until, you, you know, as Mike Tyson says, you get punched in the mouth for the yeah, first time. that's right. So, yeah. and we're going to find out. The goal, obviously, is this baby. If all this works, we bring home the Lombardi. Yeah, baby. It was absolutely the correct decision. But we have yet to see. We haven't played a single snap. You know, nope. no pads have been, you know, hit nope. or smacked, nothing. No balls have been kicked off, no punts recovered, no passes thrown, nothing. So, is there hope? Absolutely. On paper, does it look good? You betcha, right? It looks outstanding. You know, top five offense, top ten defense. Hey, buddy, we're, <laughs> you know, we're cooking with steam. So, let's go. You know. I that's, think that's, that's a good, I think that that's an interesting point, Dave, which I don't think that we we have touched on as the you know the the the, the like you said the touchy feely the collaboration you know the good vibes and you know we're we're working with the players and we're listening to them and we care about them and all of that and but you cannot as the old saying goes you also cannot let the in, inmates run the asylum and uh, you've got to be. At some points, you got to be tough. You got to tell them that if when they stink, that it stinks. This is the NFL. Uh, I mean, there's ways to do that that you don't have to be like a douchebag, like a like a dickhead, like but, like the Dilbert cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but at sometimes you got to lay it on the line and tell them like it is and hold them accountable. And that's something that obviously Sean McVay with the Los Angeles Rams, he does that probably better than than anybody right Mm -hmm. uh he seems to have uh an organization and players who like playing for him but play but also listen to him and you know that is a very difficult balance to be are you when you're a player's coach it sometimes you can be too much of a player's coach and again Mm -hmm. you you let the inmates run the asylum you don't uh, hold them accountable enough and players start to take advantage of of you in, in a way and you cannot allow that to happen especially if you get in a losing streak, if things don't go as well as you planned in a season or at the start of the season, uh, then players, you know, might take advantage of it even more. Uh, they might doubt your your methods, doubt what you're selling, stop listening to you. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on in a season, and being positive is all great, but it can't be what you're doing all the time, constantly. There's a balance there. You got to be fair, you, but you got to be tough too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you got to care about guys, but you can't let them take advantage of you uh, because uh, some players will. Some guys mm-hmm. will. Yep. Yep. Thought it It's. I'm hoping for the best, yeah. as always. Yeah. Well, like I said, that, that's all we can do right now because we haven't seen what how this team performs under Kevin O'Connell, what their traits are, what their weaknesses are, what their strengths are. That's all to be determined. It's all a big mystery, and that's why that's so fun right now and also why Kevin O'Connell will never be as popular as he is right now <laughs> because as, as soon as the season goes, just like, you know, there'll be – Fans like us will be picking apart his weaknesses just like they did with Denny Green. Can't win the playoff game, you know, blah, 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 this. Well, there's blah, one blah, way that. to be, you know, more popular than you are now. That's it's true. sitting there on the screen. Yep, the Lombardi Trophy. Get it, mm-hmm. and Viking fans, except for the the members of the Everything Sucks All the Time Club, uh, they, will, they will love you and uh, 
put might even put you ahead of Bud Grant even if you win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that, but some people might. Well, I, that's further than Bud got you. So that's true. Too evil to hope. Are we putting a thousand dollars on the Vikings to win it all? Uh, no. I don't have a thousand dollars in this uh, <laughs> economy, present economy, with inflation skyrocketing. To do that, that's what it, so it's probably well, what it cost you to fill your gas tank today. <laughs> well, on my truck, yeah, it feels yeah, like yeah. It. yeah uh, so. well, anyway, that's the show, buddy. It was a good one on this Saturday. Get to talk Vikings after a long week off. Coming up this week on Climbing the Pocket. No, I didn't oh. freeze. That just doesn't mean we don't have anything. <laughs> I thought you had frozen. <laughs> no, I did that on purpose. Uh, Tyler's taking Monday off. Well-deserved Monday. He is probably raiding his own liquor store and having a good time. So I hope you all do, too. The Matt from Vikings Happy Hour has not got back with me when his next show is. And, of course, the Tuesday and Thursday shows have not either. They're probably waiting for the season to start. So, if I'm you, watch this, rewatch this, like, subscribe, ring the bell, and uh, keep Vikings in your heart. You can message and talk to either me or Darren during the week. Either way, we'll talk Vikings anytime you want. And unless there's some breaking Vikings news, which at this time of year is pretty, usually pretty bad, uh, We'll see you next Saturday. So, any last words there, Derek? The only la- my last words are: of, we're now into July. It's July the second, and that means we are what three and a half weeks from the Vikings training camp. Twenty fourth is so, when the rooks were put. Yeah. So that's going to be a big date, and that's when things will really heat up as far as Vikings comings and goings, developments. Injuries, hopefully not too many of those. Uh, and, and, you know, who's who's having a strong camp, who isn't, Mr. Mankato, all that stuff, leading up into August and the preseason games when we'll get to see this 2022 version of the Vikings hit the field finally. So uh, we're finally getting to actual football-y things instead of just talking about football-y things. And uh, that's always good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Until then, celebrate your weekend safely, soundly, enjoy yourselves, and uh, what do we say? Well, on that on that note, uh, nobody, everybody, be careful with the fireworks. Don't pull a Jason Pierre Paul, please. <laughs> blow off your blow off your yeah, hand. <laughs> yeah. yep. But but Skull Vikings, Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.